BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. And we continue here on Our American Stories. Ruger is the biggest gun manufacturer in the country, and it's not by accident. In the words of William Ruger, each firearm is built, quote, to a standard so I would want one even if it was made by our competitors. Here to tell this American story is Logan Medish. Logan is a firearms historian and museum professional who runs High Caliber History, LLC. Here's Logan. The timing really couldn't have been better for William Ruger when he and Alexander Sturm became business partners in January of 1949. Ruger had been making hand tools for the previous few years, but unfortunately business was not going well for him. He found himself $40,000 in debt and he was pretty much ready to close up shop when he showed Sturm a prototype of something that he was working on, which 
harkened back to his earlier days with military arms development. So Sturm liked what he saw and agreed to bankroll the project with $50,000 in seed money. And just like that, those two men began laying the foundation for what would become one of the largest firearm companies in the United States. But in order to get there, you have to realize where they came from. So let's start with William Ruger. His dad was a lawyer, and his mother was from a family that owned a successful chain of department stores. As an interesting aside, his great-grandfather was actually a drummer boy at the Battle of Waterloo in 1815. Anyway, so uh, Bill Ruger had always been interested in firearms and tinkering with designs and, and very mechanically inclined. Uh, in fact, he patented his first machine gun when he was just 16 years old. With the help of his aunt, who had set him up with a college fund, he ended up going to the University of North Carolina, where he continued to work on arms designs, specifically a blow-forward-style machine gun. While he was in college, he met a girl named Mary Thompson. She was from a well-heeled family there in North Carolina, and they got married in 1938. Bill was just finishing up his sophomore year of college, but when he got married, he quit, and the two of them promptly took off for a three-month-long European honeymoon. Once back in the States, Bill continued to work on developing different firearms designs, and one of the things he started to do was tinker with an existing design. He took a, a Savage Model 99 lever-action rifle, and converted it into a gas-operated, self-loading repeating rifle. And rightly so, he was pretty darn proud of his work, so he took it to New York City and demonstrated it to the executives at Savage, and found himself rather baffled when they weren't absolutely astounded with what he had done. You know, he was hoping they would buy the design and, and bring him on board as, as a designer and offer him a job, but that just wasn't the case. So. Bill found himself with a young wife, a newborn son, Bill Jr., an empty inheritance coffer, and no job. So he went back down to North Carolina, and as luck would have it, he ended up getting a telegram that offered him a job at Springfield Armory in Springfield, Massachusetts, for $32.50 a week. It was really not something he was in a position to pass up, so he took the job. But he didn't stay there for terribly long. He ended up quitting in the spring of 1940. He quit because he didn't want to end up like John Garand, who he felt was treated like a, a mechanical toy and was paid what he felt to be a mediocre salary for all of his contributions. Which is really saying something because John Garand is, of course, one of the, the greatest arms designers of the 20th century. And you and I and anyone else in, in the, the gun world would consider it an honor to end up like John Garand. But not Bill Ruger. That was not good enough for him. He aspired to higher things. So he went and continued refocusing his efforts on his machine gun designs. And he pitched the idea to Smith & Wesson. Now, they turned him down, but they did offer him a job. They saw his potential as a designer. And Smith & Wesson offered him a job 
for $75 a week, which was a nice pay bump, obviously. But Bill's pride kind of got in the way, and he rejected it, and on down the road he went to another gun company, this time High Standard. They weren't interested, but they told him, again, to head on down the road and try his luck with auto ordinance. So Bill went over to Auto Ordnance, and a little while later, they ended up hiring him as an arms designer, and his pay was somewhere around $100 a week. So he took that job around the beginning of World War II, and he stayed on as an arms designer for them until the end of the war in 1945. By 1946, Bill had gone into business for himself. He always wanted to be self-employed and, and have the, the freedom to do his own thing and design his own stuff. And so that's exactly what he did with the Ruger Corporation. They were making uh, hand tools and small industrial parts. And also he was working on his design for a 22 caliber pistol. But unfortunately, like I'd mentioned earlier on, business wasn't doing so well. The whole hand tool concept was a good idea, but it was proving too pricey for the market. So by 1949, Bill was basically flat broke when he met Alexander Sturm. Now, Sturm was an interesting guy. He was a, a legacy Yale graduate, and like Bill, was from a well-to-do family, and was always sporting custom-tailored clothes and taking weekend trips to New York City, and while the rest of his Yale classmates ate at the cafeteria on campus, he dined at the finest restaurants in the hotels in, in the local area. He was kind of a renaissance man. He dabbled in a little bit of everything, including writing, acting, painting, filmmaking, and he was also a big-time collector of all sorts of different things, one of which just happened to be firearms. Adding to the oddity that is the life of Alexander Sturm, this well-bred young man served during World War II with the Office of Strategic Services, which was the forerunner of sorts for today's CIA. So with that $50,000 worth of seed money, they started their company and their first factory, and I, I use that term loosely, was in a small, unassuming building that they affectionately dubbed the Red Barn across the street from a railroad depot in Southport, Connecticut. It was essentially just Bill and Alex and a couple of toolmakers all working, you know, long, long hours into the night. And uh, Bill actually mentioned at one point he was writing the final payroll check from the initial $50,000 and they were out of cash. And, and he told Alex, he said, this is the last bit of money for the original $50,000 investment. But that was okay because they had designed this pistol together and Alex Sturm had checks for a hundred guns that were ready to be sent out into the mail. And so just like that, they were in business, the seed money paid off. Now, this gun that they designed together was inspired by World War II handguns from the Axis powers. It had a, a similar silhouette appearance of both the Japanese Nambu and the German Luger in certain ways. Uh, the ergonomics of those guns were tweaked a little bit to create what would become known as the Ruger Standard, uh, and the gun would go on to be lauded by shooters for generations as being well-balanced, easy to hold, and easy to shoot. Unfortunately, the gun is a bit of a, a Rubik's Cube in design when it comes to uh, putting the gun back together. And when we come back, we'll continue with the story of Ruger 
the great American company. And my goodness, how it got started is like how so many companies got started. On the cheap and almost out of business from the beginning. More of the story of Ruger, the great American gun company, after these messages. This is Our American Stories. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. And we continue with our American stories and the story of Ruger, the great American arms manufacturer right here in the United States. Let's continue with this great business story. There's a joke in the gun community 
that God came to Bill Ruger in a dream and showed him the design for the Ruger Standard pistol, but unfortunately Bill woke up before God could tell him how to put it back together. Anyway, uh, when, when the gun was first put into production and they were working on things, they had a total of eight barreled pistol receivers that they had made as test guns for this new design. And serial number three of these guns was actually the first one to leave the factory. Serial numbers one and two were retained internally for further study. By February of 1950, Sturm Ruger & Company had a back order of an astounding 5,000 units and a production capacity of just 900 guns a month. By summer of the same year, the backlog had grown to 9,000 units and their production capacity had picked up a little bit, but they were still only able to make a thousand guns a month. That backlog is a testament to that little gun's rugged design and its ease of use and its affordability. Finally, finally, there was a 22 caliber pistol on the market that anyone could afford to own and that was easy enough for anyone to learn how to shoot with this gun. Within a year, that little startup company from Connecticut had gained traction and continued to advance at a rapid pace. But Alex Sturm contracted viral hepatitis and died very unexpectedly in November of 1951. He was just 28 years old. The company's heraldic eagle logo that today is instantly recognizable as Ruger that eagle was actually designed by Alex Sturm, and so, paying homage to his fallen business partner, Bill Ruger changed the color of the eagle in the logo from red to black. And with the exception of the one millionth Ruger standard pistol that they produced in 1979, it wasn't until 1999, with the celebration of their 50th anniversary, that the logo would return to red on all of their guns. So even though they had the tremendous setback of Alex Sturm passing away unexpectedly at a very young age, Bill Ruger was a shrewd businessman and he didn't want to rest on their laurels and be, be seen as one trick pony. So he knew that they were going to have to diversify their offerings beyond that 22 caliber pistol. Given the popularity of westerns and cowboy six guns in the 1950s, the Ruger company introduced their first single action revolver in 1953. The revolver was a instant success and the company introduced the single six, the black hawk, and the bearcat, all of which were single action revolvers, all by the end of that decade and each one of them was a hit. Next up, rifles. So the Deerstalker, the 1022, the number one, the model 77, and so on were all added to the lineup uh, in the 1960s. And due to the brand's success and popularity, the company became publicly traded for the first time in 1969. Now, it would go on to be listed on the New York Stock Exchange in 1990, but today it remains the only American arms manufacturer that is publicly traded as a standalone entity and not grouped into a larger parent organization. So they're flying high by the end of 1969. Uh, they've been in business 20 years. And now it's time for a flop. But it wasn't a gun. Bill Ruger collected high-end antique automobiles. And so in that vein, he designed what was known as the Ruger Sports Tourer, which was a car based on the Bentley. 
and it had an estimated retail price of twelve to thirteen thousand dollars. Bill read the market wrong uh, with the car, and it, that was kind of a rare occurrence for him. He usually was a, a keen eye and knew what people wanted, but they did not want this car. So they'd only made two of them when they turned their focus back to making guns. Unfortunately, they'd already spent eight years and $400,000 developing a car that never made it to production. Nonetheless, when they turned their attention back to guns, they did well in the 70s. By 1979, which was the company's 30th anniversary, four of the models they offered had already sold a million units each, and they finished up their 30th anniversary with sales totaling $68.8 million and a profit of $7.9 million, which was up like 14% over the previous year alone. So by 1989, at this point in American history, the idea of a so-called assault weapons ban was really picking up steam. And so Bill Ruger wrote a letter to every member of Congress and he told them that they should limit magazine capacity instead of trying to ban these so-called assault weapons. Taking it a step further, in a couple more years, he would sit down with NBC in 1992, and in that interview, he was quoted as saying that no honest man needs more than 10 rounds in any gun. And backlash against Bill and the company was swift. Gun owners as a whole have very long memories, And there are still some people to this day that will not own a Ruger firearm because of what Bill said. Fortunately for them, you know, they they make a good product and there were enough people who still rallied around the brand and they found themselves in 1999 celebrating their 50th anniversary. And by that point in time, they had really cemented their place both in firearms history and in American history. You know, quite literally tens of millions of gun owners had Ruger firearms in the field hunting, sitting in their home gun safes, out on the range with their kids, sitting in the gun rack in their trucks. You know, Ruger firearms were everywhere. And over the years, Bill Ruger had the opportunity to buy a whole bunch of other companies. Even if you don't know firearms, you still know names like Colt, Smith & Wesson, Remington, and Winchester. He had the opportunity to buy all of those companies and didn't. And it wasn't just gun companies. Beyond that, he had the opportunity to buy both Maserati, the sports car company, and Harley-Davidson, the iconic motorcycle company. Instead, he chose to focus on his guns. By 2000, Bill was 84 years old, and he decided it was finally time to retire. Now, retirement was kind of an odd thing for Bill. In 1992, he did an interview with Forbes magazine when he told him that he could never retire because he'd never done a god day's work in his life. So how can you retire if you've never worked? Uh, Nonetheless, he did retire, and his son took over as chairman and CEO of the company. Bill had also said around that same time that if you rest, you rust. And so that's why he tried to keep so active. And unfortunately, retirement meant rest, and it meant rust. So Bill Ruger died in 2002, having spent 53 years involved in the operations of the company that he helped found. And his son, Bill Ruger Jr., passed away in 2018 after working for his father's company for 42 years. 
He retired in 2006, and so even though there's been no direct Ruger descendant running the company in more than a decade, they are definitely one of the big players on the block in terms of American firearms. The Ruger Standard pistol that they initially created back in 1949 lives on today in a variant known as the Mark IV. And like the previous three versions, it maintains all of the classic appeal and lines of the standard, but it just kind of updates the platform for today's market. Most importantly, however, it solves the difficulty of takedown and reassembly. So now that Bill Ruger is spending all of his time up above with God, he was finally able to have God show him how to put the pistol back together. And so now that the Mark IV has ironed out all the kinks in the design, the gun can remain at the forefront as uh, an incredibly popular gun for people to learn how to shoot on, both young and old, beginner and seasoned pros alike. The humble startup that consisted of just a few guys in a red barn now has more than 1,800 employees. They're still headquartered in Connecticut, but now they've got five factories throughout the country. Uh, Alexander Sturm's $50,000 investment really paid off. The company today is worth $940 million. And given their success, I think it's safe to say that Mr. Sturm and Mr. Ruger would have big smiles on their faces if they could see where their company is at today. And a very special thanks to Logan Medish. Logan is a firearms historian and museum professional who runs High Caliber History, LLC. And my goodness, what a story. 1,800 employees off a $50,000 loan. Two guys just, well, never working a minute in their lives, they probably felt. And so many people who work for themselves, that's why they do it. Because they have something special they want to do. And my goodness, anyone who owns weapons, who loves firearms, and responsible firearm ownership is a big deal. But he testified and went public on magazine capacity. My goodness, that took a lot of courage to do. And he did it. Ruger, the great American gun manufacturer. Their story here on Our American Stories. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. 
Visit underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Thank you. 